Welcome to Nerd Talk, the podcast that talks about everything nerdy. I'm your host, Jordan Halstead, and each week, me and my friends will be discussing some of our favorite topics. We're talking superheroes, Star Wars, Pokemon, Harry Potter, and that's just to name a few. You don't want to miss out on this because this is Nerd Talk. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Nerd Talk. We are going to be having a lot of fun today. We're talking about Disney Plus's Hawkeye. With me, I have Scott and Micah. Guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. What's going on? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, Scott, it's been a little bit since we've had you on. Uh, Super, super happy that you're here. Um, So I'm going to start with you on this one. What were your thoughts about uh, the intro from the music portion to the comic book kind of feel with it? What did you think about it just as the intro for the show? Yeah, so I I really like the intro because I felt like, because if if, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of came out like right around Thanksgiving. Yeah, it came out the the Wednesday right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so the idea of it being kind of set around that holiday season or Christmas holiday season you know, I remember listening to the intro and watching it. I'm like, hearing the music, I'm like, you know, it sounds like very Christmassy. Like it, in some, it, I was almost getting like Home Alone vibes from it, just yeah. like with the music. Oh, yeah. It was just like, okay, it's kind of like this, you know, it, we're not singing jingle bells here, but we're hearing like more of like kind of this nice Christmassy music. And even, and even I like just the style of it. I think it was just different than any of the other um, television series that Disney Plus has been putting out, it kind of really set itself off as different from everything else. And I really just enjoyed it over around everything. It was, it was great. I think what's going to be added with this that I think will be a really cool effect is like if they do a season two and they don't put it at Christmas time. So it's not like, oh, it's been a year and it's, it's next Christmas. Like they don't have to do it as a Christmas series. I feel like that one has enough where you can tweak out some of the like the Christmas bells. You can pull some of that out and still have more of a Hawkeye theme song. So it's like a like the Christmas rendition and it's got enough in there that you could change it up. What about you, Micah? Yeah, so you know, I thought that it was it was great. Something that I focused a little bit more on was the colors and the branding of the intro. For our listeners that don't know, I spent a lot of time in church ministry doing graphic design and, and branding and marketing for different churches. And um, one of the things that branding and marketing one on one is 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 consistent colors and consistent you know fonts throughout whatever you're advertising. And so I think that for this series. That purple and that yellow really stood out because it was different. You knew that it was different because it was, but at the same time, you still knew it was Marvel and you still knew that it was Hawkeye. And I love that it was purple and it was yellow and it kind of like obviously carried throughout the entire series all the way till the end when they revealed their suits together, Kate's and, and Clint's suits, which were purple. Um, I thought that it was just well done. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they add a little bit to each episode? And even at the ending, like with the post credits, like they kept at like even like I think it was episode four or five where they actually revealed Kingpin kind of towering over the city. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, that. that was like episode five or like the yeah, so like the last episode you saw that. So, so the intro was the same every time, but the the end credits with the little purple one, the the yellow font, and the the video that played over that intro was the same for the intro, but for the outro, it changed each episode with what happened in that episode. And at the end of like episode five, which was what Scott was saying, they, they revealed Kingpin like kind of towering over the city. And it was just really cool. It was really well done. It kind of gave it that old school vibe of like a modern day sitcom. But it wasn't, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, I just, I kind of got off track, but yes, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the, fo- the, the fonts and the colors and just kind of knowing that it was still Marvel, but it was different enough to be different, if that makes sense. I think yeah. I think the intro alone kind of just set the tone for the show, though. Like, hey, we're going to yeah. have a lot of fun, but there's still going to be some darker tones. Like, you just heard, like, in it, it kind of was an eerie kind of Christmas kind of song. And when, when you hear that, it kind of set the tone for, hey, yeah, it's got the Christmas feel, and it's in that time frame, but it's not going to be, like hey, we're shooting Santa with bows and arrows. Like, it's not, it wasn't like, hey, this is a true Christmas adventure. It was a, hey, this is, it's going to have Christmas overlays in it, but it's not going to be solely a Christmas. Like, it's not going to be specifically a Home Alone, um, 
elf like it's not going to be like a christmas one that you just watch at christmas you can watch this any time of year and understand it just takes place during that moment kind of like iron man 3 um and that, that's how i saw it at least so it also led up it also led up to christmas like it was six weeks out yeah and the whole goal mm-hmm. was, it was six weeks and clint had six days to get home to his family yeah. so like i thought that was really cool too yep now what did you guys think about and you know will and i really bantered a lot leading up to this show about Rogers the musical what did you guys like about it what did you not like about it and did you guys appreciate the comment about how Clint said Ant-Man wasn't there I know who was there I was there his whole like bantering what did you guys think about that one yeah so um yeah musicals so (laughs) I thought it was great like my like I'm not a big I mean even though I trained as an actor like musicals are just not my cup of tea uh, but my wife loves musicals, so the first time you're watching it, and the first time she saw Rogers the musical and going through, I mean, her eyes got big. She had this huge grin and smile on her face, like she was enjoying it. She was just like, "Ooh, yeah!" And then, especially at the end, when you kind of got to saw a bigger production of that number, I mean, she was able to say like, "Oh, that's the guy from Rent!" Like she was pointing out all these other like musical actors that were in there like oh he was from this musical i'm like cool (laughs) hey that's fiddler on the roof yeah but i mean but it was it was interesting it was funny then of course the ant-man comment was was just funny because even like i'm watching this i'm like wait why is ant-man kind of confused too (laughs) yeah no i I thought that was funny yeah i'm with scott like i've you know been playing music since i was a elementary school and I played for pit orchestras and different things like that for theater productions and theater is not my thing, but, uh, I, I couldn't help but smile when I watched this, like my wife and I were watching it as the, you know, the shows kind of came out each week. And when that musical hit, we just, we just laughed because of some of the inside jokes. And if you have been watching the MCU stuff since day one, like it just, it was hysterical. Like there's all these little jokes that they make and yeah, I just, you know, I thought it was funny. I wouldn't want more than what they gave us in this show. But yes. I was going to I was going to ask, do you guys want more? Do you want to see like no. a Rogers the Musical <laughs> kind of thing no. on Disney Plus? Did you all catch it? We already saw the disaster that was Spider-Man the Musical in New York. We don't need another. <laughs> Did you guys catch in No Way Home that they had Rogers the Musical in New York? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> from what I understand, I... No Way Home is kind of leading right into the time frame that Hawkeye takes place like in yeah. their in their timeline it's kind of like hey from summer end of summer early school year into the Christmas time and then that same Christmas is when Hawkeye happens we went and saw it again last week for the second time and I didn't notice that the first time but I saw the Rogers the musical sign in New York when we saw it the second time and I think I was going to steal what Scott was going to say in regards to is that why Daredevil was there because it kind of overlaps the Kingpin and all that stuff. Did I read your mind or was that was I wrong? Oh, that and I was wondering because if that's well, I was more thinking with the um, with No Way Home and all the other people coming in from the multiverse. Is that how uh, Kingpin slipped into the thing? Because I thought he was still in jail from okay. from the series and stuff. So we'll switch over to Kingpin real quick. Vincent D'Onofrio said, hey, I am the same character, and I'll be honest, no, he's not. This is a different variant of it because they were with Netflix, they weren't allowed to touch the Avenger stuff. They could they could hint at things, but like the Avengers Tower never actually showed up. They talked about, hey, the tower back there. Um, they talked about the event without directly saying Chitari, the aliens. Um, they just talked about the New York event. Um, and, and Daredevil. And so uh, he was there during the, the five-year gap. So I don't think okay. that, like, things are happening and, like, they're slowly creeping in. Um, I truly mm-hmm. I truly believe that some of this is just we're starting to see, hey, these are the actors that portray the characters really well, and we just want them to be the MCU. Um, and so I think that that's why Kingpin was there. I don't think that they were just trying to kind of slowly because you could easily say hey kingpin's been around the whole time but he wasn't ever like he's been slowly gaining power and then by the time the end game happened during that five years he really gained a lot of power um or he lost a lot of power and he's trying mm-hmm. to trying to gain things and that's how you can kind of help tell that story and he's like yeah. regaining things like because all these people are now back and so now now his armies are back and all the tracksuit guys are back like you can you can start to tell that story uh moving forward of how you do it but i think you could easily just say he was kind of a background character that 
didn't throw up too many red flags, but like mm-hmm. was on Shield's radar, and then Shield collapsed, and then like he started gaining a lot more power yeah. after. Like you don't, I mean, you don't have to say, oh, he's like Ultron or Loki. Like he doesn't have to be a massive, yeah. player, massive player, but like he is like the kingpin of the underground uh, in New York, mm-hmm. which I think would be an easy way to to kind of hit that. So with, uh, you know, Kingpin being in this show, what did you guys like having him around? Did you like Vincent D'Onofrio? I know, Micah, you said you hadn't seen Daredevil um, when that had happened. So did you like seeing this character come to play? Yeah, so um, over the Christmas holiday, um, my wife and I actually started Daredevil. We haven't got to the point of where Kingpin has been introduced yet. You know, for not knowing anything, I was like, how is this guy still alive after everything that he went through in, in Hawkeye, right? Like just, they beat the tar out of him, right? They hit him with a car. They, you know, Kate pretty much gave him everything, you know, like within the fight scene that they had. And then like with Kate's mom, even hitting him with the car. Like I was still like, how is this guy still alive? Like, how is this even possible? Because like, you know, I don't know. And, and Jordan, I called you like the next day or whatever. And I was like, does he have some sort of secret alien powers? Is he like a god like Thor? Like, wh- what's the deal? So like, I, I really didn't know what to expect. And to be honest, we only got what, just that last episode of him? Really? Yeah, because we had like, like a picture. Like they teased him picture. throughout the series. And then the yeah, very they, last they, episode, they, yeah. Because in uh, the episode five, they showed the quick picture of him. And then, like, they had talked about him a little bit, like, hey, there's your uncle. And they kind of had that one spot when they did, like, the teaser of her doing her Taekwondo stuff or karate. And he, like, puts his hand on her shoulder, like, just that that quick. But I don't know if that was even him. Um, yeah. Like, we, we knew, it's like, a- oh, hey, Kingpin. Oh, that's definitely Kingpin because those of us who read the comics and we knew. But I don't know that it was ever, like, formally said, hey, this is uh, – that is Kingpin. Hey, this is, like, up until – we all saw Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. And so like up until the end, like until they actually brought him into the show, which was the last episode of the series, kind of like, I wanted more. Like, I think Marvel does a great job of like, Oh, we're going to tell you, we're going to tease who this is, who's coming, whatnot. And then when they do, it's like, it's just enough. Right. They talk, we talk about in this, in our podcast that like they sprinkle them in throughout the MCU. Like Dr. Strange is a great example of that, but like, you know, we didn't see him till the very last episode. And then um, kind of the same thing with Yelena. Like I wanted more Yelena throughout the series. And like when the series of orig- was originally advertised, like she was casted for all six episodes and she didn't show up till the last three. So, and she was just mm-hmm. kind of sprinkled in throughout until the very last episode. And even then she kind of like figured out what was going on with Clinton, had that redemption and then just kind of like rode off into the sunset. Like, I know we're going to get more of her down the road, but like, Come on, I want more. Same thing with Kingpin. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Scott? Well, so yeah, like so, I've seen the Daredevil. I think I've seen. That's the thing. I see. I've seen all three seasons of Daredevil. So, you know, having Vincent D'Onofrio back, I was like, ooh, yeah. Like I was, I was excited. <laughs> I was very pumped about it. Um, which then, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, I wish there was more because it's like, oh, the last episode and. And kind of going back to your earlier question, like, you know, he's getting the tar beaten out of him. And you're like, well, how's this guy still alive? Like, they're basically throwing everything at him. And he's still getting up and moving. Um, Where, you know, my wife, the only, she never watched the Daredevil series. So she watched um, Into the Spider-Verse. So that was her kind of introduction to Kingpin. So for her, watching him having, you know, everything thrown at him, she's just like, you know, she's in the same way, like, man, what is this guy? Like, why is he not dead yet? Or why does he keep moving? Why does he keep going? Like, what's going on? And, and but then she kind of, though, like, well, like, even in the Spider-Verse, like, you know, he's this big towering figure and is, you know, and just not very easily to go down <laughs> without a huge fight. So, um, no, but I mean, it was, I really liked the character. I really liked him being in it. Um, you know, I think, for me, I'm thinking like, okay, well, you know, I, I think for me, I'm always trying to find connecting points. And Jordan, I was glad you mentioned like, oh, well, you know, even though you had your Netflix series, that still didn't have any connection to the bigger MCU. You know, they kind of kind of almost like kind of like with, um, I hate to say it, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., sometimes they always alluded to events, but, you know, it's like, well, they're kind of connected, but they're also not connected. So it's almost like they're, 
it's kind of a one sided together. It's one sided where, hey, like we want to be a part of that, but Kevin Feige's like, but you're really not. Like you're using our characters, but like you have no actual connection. And I think, I'll be honest, I think that Disney saw, hey, Netflix wants to use our characters, and so they gave them rights. They started building this this awesome universe that I I thought was amazing, and then they started to realize, oh, wait, we can buy stock in Hulu, and then they overbought the stock, and now they own Hulu uh, with a controlling stock, and then they said, hey. You know, what if we created Disney Plus? And I think, I mean, Disney Plus had to have been years in the making. So by the time, because like Daredevil ran 15 to 18. So when you're getting three seasons plus uh, the Defenders, so it's it was season one and two were 15, 16, Defenders 17, and then season three, 18. I think when you look at that, like they want, like Netflix wanted to do something big and say, hey, let's let's get everything moving and rolling. And, uh, and then I think that Kevin Feige was just like, wait why why do this like we'll just we'll just write out the contract because they were probably trying to just reuse the characters give them some type of life and now that they're doing their own thing they can use them as multiverse characters and say hey that's that's the netflix variant um and that way it's still like connected but it's not something else that netflix will do that disney won't is the whole like tvma rated r very very dark and you know kind of gruesome stuff that disney won't do like well, we talked about I I Go don't ahead. I don't know. I think that Disney will do it. I think they'll push it on their Hulu service though. Um okay. I think I think that's where we're going to start to see cuz I think if they do it that way that like hey, part of our like our darker like the Marvel Knights series, if they do like a Ghost Rider series, um they get into uh some of those darker characters, they can start pushing them onto Hulu and then you've got the people who are going to say, "Okay, well, I want to watch some of these, so I'll just buy their pack where it's like $13 a month, and I can get Hulu, ESPN, and Disney+. Plus. So Bundle. I don't know. It, it might be a way that they'll go. And we can have a football game between all the Marvel characters, on, and we can watch it on ESPN+, Plus, right? <laughs> with with commercials in between, hey, make sure you go and watch this new series on Disney+, Plus or Hulu. <laughs> so but, they don't have enough money. Yeah. Yeah. But but no, I th- I think that's kind of where they went was they because I've heard that they want to bring in like Iron Fist and uh, Colleen Wing um, and they want to bring in like Misty Knight and Luke Cage. And, and they're looking at recasting some of those characters because they don't fit what Marvel MCU wants, which I think is just stupid. <laughs> Personally, I, I loved <laughs> Luke Cage. I thought Luke Cage was great. Um, the first season was done really well. And I, I hope that they when they bring him back into the MCU, I hope they handle it like season one of Luke Cage was handled. I think that was just so well put together. Um, and it made me appreciate uh, like Harlem and, and black culture a lot more. I was like, man, like the jazz, it was just so well done. And to know like, hey, like the barbershop and like the community comes together, like coming from a, a small white town, like that just, it made me appreciate it so much more because it was like, man, this is really, really cool. Like we didn't have barbershops really like the same way that they do uh, in the town that I grew up in, um, you might have one or two, but they're more like salons now. And it's like, yeah, it's not the same. Like you go and hang out at the barber shop. That's the place to go hang out where, where like a salon is, is more girly and you're just getting your hair cut real quick and then out. Um, but I, do they go into more detail in the daredevil series of why Kingpin is Kingpin and why he's so indestructible? Uh, kind of not entirely. It's, it's, the reason he's Kingpin, his name comes from the fact that he becomes the Kingpin in jail during season two. Um, Because yeah. they, they throw him into jail and, and they go through that. And we'll talk more about that when we hit Daredevil uh, as one of our, our topics. We're going to actually uh, run that as a series here on Nerd Talk. Um, you better get watching it, Micah. Yeah, you got to get on I'm there. I'm on it now. I'm so. on it now. I'm just, I just wondered, like, you talk about Kingpin being a variant and being a different kind of you know, obviously a variance, a different version. Um, and what we saw in Hawkeye versus what he was in the Daredevil series, meaning that like, yes, he could die in Daredevil, but not maybe not in this version of himself in Hawkeye. That's kind of what I was getting at. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the other things that I really like about how Marvel is starting to head, and I, I didn't put this in our, our topics, but uh, I absolutely love where they're going with 
comic book accurate representations of some of these characters. We're, uh, we've talked about this in a prior episode. Uh, I think we talked about it with No Way Home. Was We're starting to see suits. So like Hawkeye and his new suit, um, you saw Kingpin when, when they go and shoot him at the end of the, the series. Like he had that white suit jacket, uh, the white pants, but then like had the Hawaiian flower shirt. And like that mm-hmm. is a comic book like accurate look that they did. Uh, when he walked around with the cane, like that is super big on who Kingpin is. Um, and I think that it was just he was handled very, very well. And I think Marvel itself, even though it's in Disney Plus's hands, um, I think the MCU is handling these characters very, very well. And like we're getting away from so hyper realistic that it's like military superheroes to, hey, like we're going to start seeing some costume vigilante. Um, we're going to see like all these guys like we're going to see some realism, but we're also going to see like Spider-Man in this awesome new suit. That looks like it came straight off a comic book from the 90s. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. see Kingpin literally jumping off a page in his suit. We're going to see all these different characters, and I, I like that. Um, I know that one of the other things about Kingpin that, that I just love is uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, I just love him. He he is an amazing actor. Um, I remember growing up <laughs> watching Law & Order Criminal Intent, um, where he was in that. Uh, he was also in Throwback. Men in Black, when he was the alien, he was the farmer who got, like, parasited into the alien, and then, like, it burst his skin off, and he, like, like he was the, like, that guy, and I was like, this Edgar. is sweet. Yeah. Um, and then he was in Jurassic World, and, like, he's starting to get back into to acting and going in those those directions, and I, I just think... And I remember him for a full metal jacket. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 1987, Yeah. Um, but I, I started looking over some of the things he's done. And I'm like, I'm just excited that like he's he's in this. Um, he he portrays the character very well, and I think it'd be really cool to see him continue even into like Spider-Man. Um, with the with the next trilogy, I think it'd be cool if like he helped fund a Sinister Six or something of that nature. He starts like he's kind of like an underlying villain. And he has to go up against Spider-Man. I think that would be really cool too. Mm-hmm. So what did let's let's move back to to Hawkeye himself. What did you guys think about Clint in this epi- or in this series? Um, you know, he is the only main Avenger to get a Disney Plus series instead of a movie. Like everybody else got their their solo outings, and he got a Disney Plus series. So kind of what what are your thing or your thoughts about that? And what did you think about his relationship becoming a mentor for uh, Kate Bishop? And we'll start with Micah on this. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Micah. <laughs> uh, um, I was waiting for Scott to go anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, just going to give him that one. So um, my thought was, you know, my immediate thought is that, like, Marvel is killing it with these Disney Plus series. Like, I've not seen a Disney Plus series that Marvel's produced that I've not liked. Um, and that's one of your questions for later. But, like, I thought, you know, we didn't know much about him. And we still don't, I don't think, like, to that, you know. I think this series did more in the way of describing how he was feeling in the moment and kind of what he had went through as being an Avenger, not necessarily who he was prior to that or how he became one, if that makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I think... I don't know, man. Like, I just, I <laughs> I'm digging these series, like these little mini series. Like, they are just blowing it out of the water. And, th- like, we've talked about it in other podcast episodes, but, like, it's almost like, how do these movies compete <laughs> with how good some of these series have been? Like, especially, like, we talked a little, like, in our, uh, an episode we recorded a few weeks back, but, like, with our roundtable, we're talking about the end year of, of 2021 and like how we felt like series and movie wise, how they did. And I'm like, man, this series blew it out of the water. Like on division, Falcon winter soldier, Loki, what if, like how and is like, 2022 going to compete with what we just had? Like wh- where do you yes, even go? From absolutely. There? Yep. And so like, we're kind of getting off the topic, but like, I feel like if it would have been a movie, I don't think it would have been nearly as good as it was as the series. One thing I've always said is I feel that in a TV series, if done right, you can tell a much better and coherent story where if you're in a movie, you're 
pressed for time. Like, don't get me wrong. I think the MCU is phenomenal. And it's told such a beautiful story from Iron Man all the way to No Way Home. Um, and as we are continuing to build and we're, we're starting to incorporate, oh, hey, there's this bigger multiverse. Like, does Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire technically count as the first MCU movie now? Um, like, like, you have to start looking at some of that. And I just love the story that has been told because it, like, even though each one is individual, it tells into something bigger, but with the, like, Iron Man, Iron Man is only, what, two hours? A little over two hours, something like that? Like, that movie's not a super long movie when you compare it to six-hour, hour-long episodes of Hawkeye. Like, Hawkeye got three movies in basically a short amount of time. If that what I was going to say, too, is, like, with each episode, like, whether it's Loki or Hawkeye or fucking Winter Soldier, whatever, they give you just enough in each of those episodes, and they cut it off, and they leave you wanting more. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you know, we have six star, like, we don't have six Star Wars movies, there's nine, but let's just say, like, say there was no, you know, seven, eight, nine, and there was just, you if know, four, only, five, six, one, two, three. If only there was no seven, If eight, only. <laughs> Good thing that Scott, or Will's not here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Will. Um, I just feel like that, you know, they do such a great job of like giving you just enough and giving you, you know, that, man, I really, it made me feel like I was a kid again, wanting to know what's going to happen on next week's episode of like whatever cartoon that you're watching or whatever. Like TV Saturday morning cartoons, but you're like excited yes. on Wednesdays. You're like, it's getting me through my week. I'm excited. And honestly, like for a while, I kept forgetting that Hawkeye was on Wednesdays. And like now with Boba Fett, kind of the same deal. Like it's dropping every Wednesday, and I'm like, gosh, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta remember. Gotta remember that it comes out on Wednesdays. You know, yeah. it might help if you throw a reminder on your phone, and then it just like beeps yeah. at you every Wednesday. Element of surprise. <laughs> <laughs> or or Jordan and Will saying they've watched it and they try to spoil it for me, so I hurry up and go home and watch it. Scott, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Clint so and the show? Yeah, so uh, the thing I like about doing Hawkeye as a series as opposed to him getting his own movie is I feel like when you're watching the movies up to this point, it seemed like any time when there has been a transition of a character, they either go off to some other realm or in space or in some type of different world, or they die. Where with Hawkeye, especially with the introduction of Kate Bishop, it's almost kind of like a passing of the torch uh, scenario. So the idea of doing it as a series kind of communicates that better than I think better than a movie would. The other thing I liked about Clint's character is you get to see because, I mean, if you think about him being in the first Thor movie where you're first introduced to him and him going from Thor all the way to Infinity War. I mean, he's the only one we have seen a progression of going through all these events, all this stuff. And then, of course, that's why you see, like, you know, he's a battered, beaten-up Clint Barton. I mean, he has a hearing aid, for crying out loud, for just all the times. Like, even that scene where it's like, oh, why do you have hearing aids? And it's like him busting through windows and explosions and everything else is right by, by him. It's like... They could even insert a scene from the Hurt like Locker, and we probably wouldn't know. It's still Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's wearing a hearing aid now. Um, but, you know, I think that tells a great story of someone who's just beaten up, you know, the blip, saved the world, and he's just kind of done, you know? And then now it's like, now he's kind of going back into it again because you have Kate Bishop, and you have this, and she. it's almost like... Um, Huh. It's almost like she's always getting him into trouble and he has to kind of fix her messes. So the dynamic there is good. So you get to see not only his story and everything that's been going on with him, but then you're kind of seeing this other playful side of him too, of trying to be a mentor and trying to help along and trying to even solve this mystery while he's kind of kind of out. It even kind of gives more dynamics and even some more mystery too. Like like the idea of him and his wife, and I'm thinking wait a minute, his wife is more interesting now than the last couple of episodes. I'm like, okay, what, what's her deal? Like, I'm, I'm curious about that. So it's like, oh, 
cool, you know, stuff like that. I'm actually going to play. I'm going to play off of, <laughs> off of the wife real quick with Laura. Um, you know, in the comics, Hawkeye is actually married to a uh, Adria, Adrian Pilecki plays her uh, Mockingbird. I forget what. Uh-huh. Uh But he he's married to Mockingbird in the comics. I forget what her her real name is. Um, her alias. Mm-hmm. But uh, going through it, uh, when they said Agent Nineteen with the the watch at the end, a lot of speculation shows that Laura could actually be Mockingbird for the MCU. And I'm like, okay, wait. She's a she's a, a phenomenal girl. Anyways, like as an actress, I think she's awesome. She was in Freaks and Geeks. She played Velma in the the live action Scooby Doo. She's been all over the map, and I think she does very very well. And I was like, how cool would it be if we get to see like Hawkeye and Mockingbird like go in and be a part of a movie or a series or something like that? Like maybe they have to have the kids watch the young one, or like in a couple years when when they're all old enough that they can kind of stay by themselves or whatever. And someone had mentioned. What if those two like kind of nanny and kind of like lead a young Avengers team, like be kind of like the the parents to a bunch of teenagers being the young Avengers? I was like, oh, I kind of like that. Um, just coming off of Young Justice, just being a big Young Justice fan, like having like the den mother kind of feel. And I think Hawkeye, you know, you Scott, you were talking about he kind of has gone through it all and he's he's getting sucked back in. Um and his world is getting sucked back in. I think it'd be cool to kind of see his whole family get sucked into it, where the kids kind of maybe give it a couple more years before we really get something big with them, um, where the kids kind of go off to college, and then you've got only one kid left, and maybe he becomes an archer, or maybe he becomes a tech guy, or uh, he becomes a young Avenger of some sort. Um, something really cool with that, and that way he's in Young Avengers, and like you just start to build off that. But I don't think that Jeremy Renner's time is done. I think that Jeremy Renner, I'll be honest, I think he really just kicked it off with, with Hawkeye. I think that you could do easily a season two of Hawkeye and have those two just kind of running him and Kate Bishop as a mentoring relationship. <laughs> you know, Marvel typically doesn't have uh, like a, a Batman and Robin, like that sidekick partnership kind of thing. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of that. Uh, it just really wasn't Marvel's thing. DC really led the way with that. But I think it'd be cool to have like Hawkeye just kind of be a multi- multiple season series. Um, and then, they, I mean, it's the MCU. They can hop in and out of situations like you could see Hawkeye uh, being Kate Bishop. Uh, she could hop over into literally anything. Uh, and then come back for season two, and so like maybe she's a little bit more seasoned, and and those two are just working cases together or something. I think that'd be really cool. Well, you bring you bring something interesting up about you know he's just he's, he wants to you know it's almost like he's done, he's been through everything, and he keeps getting sucked back in. I almost feel like with like WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, you know, and even with Hawkeye, and even some of these other and even some of these other characters that we have seen. I've been through everything. It's like, okay, you know, they're they're kind of done. You know, they they saved the world. What else is there? And it's like, they think they're you know they think they're ready to retire. You know, go to Malibu and drink orange juice and whatever. But now it's like they're getting you're getting sucked back in because something else is coming. And it's just like, okay, you know, you think you're done. You know, Doctor Strange probably thinks he's done, but nope, he's getting sucked back in again. So it's it's interesting how. You know, wouldn't you think everything's done? So I like, and in, in some ways, I like how it's those little storytelling character tropes that start to kind of add those connections and those lines where you start to kind of see that pulling and that pushing a little bit, which kind of creates, you know, it's almost like kind of at the beginning where you would have Iron Man and then you have the one shots and the and the um, end credit scenes and all those would kind of be like your ways to kind of patch up those stories and kind of keep you going, okay, what's next, what's next? And now you have this series that's kind of doing that uh, for you now. Yeah, it's I I feel like instead of the end credit scene doing a real quick, like, hey, the Mandarin's now in jail, or like the one-shots that they did for a little while, like we're getting a full mm-hmm. series that helps us know, oh, hey, Wanda and Vision went and did their thing. Wait, I thought Vision was dead, but like this is how they brought him back. This is like, and they explain that stuff. Uh, Falcon getting the the shield at the end of Endgame, uh, and then like okay, wait, so is he just gonna automatically become Captain America? No, he has that inner struggle. 
okay, Loki got uh, the Tesseract and then just shoop, just went through a portal. Like, okay, what happened there? And then we get to see it. Like, they're, they're now going... I feel like it's kind of like how the multiverse uh, was shown in Loki. Like, we're starting to see all the threads. We're starting to see all mm-hmm. the branches starting, and we get to see all the series, how they all play out. Um, and I think that's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. So what was your guys' favorite moment in this series? What do you think, Scott? Uh, you know, I think my favorite moment, it was, I think it was towards the end, where you kind of saw Kay and Clint kind of working together. They had a plan. They were willing to try to, you know, do something to take out the tracksuit mafia and to hunt down Kingpin. And just even them working together, them creating all the arrows, all the different arrows, and him kind of helping her, like, oh, here's how you construct this type of arrow. Like, I think that scene in itself was probably, for me, that was probably the most enjoyable scene that I enjoyed just seeing that, you know, kind of like that bantering dad and angst teen and just that arguing back and forth to now they're a team and now they're working together. I think my favorite was um, I had um, I had two just in case somebody picked it, but um, in the very last episode where um, uh, Kate is chasing Elena because Elena's trying to get to Clint and she's kind of mimicking her and they're fighting at the same time and like Elena can't just shake her and it's just like it it's kind of like this odd similarity between Elena and um, Natasha and Elena and Kate. And it's kind of like, I just love that, that pattern, the sequence of like when they're running through that skyscraper together and they're trying, they're both trying to get to Clint and then Yelena is obviously going to get there. But then my original pick actually just ties into that. So like that moment when Yelena finally gets to Clint and they have that moment where it's like, wait, you really did love my sister and you, you know, you didn't cause her death. She caused her own death. Like, I wanted more from that moment, but, like, it was enough to, like, I just wanted to cry. Like, <laughs> spoiler, like, when Aunt May dies, I cried both times in the theater when I saw it. But, like, yes. <gasps> so, yes. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, but, like, those those moments in that last episode with Yelena getting to Clint and kind of having, having that redemption with him was just something special. I think I care more about that than Kingpin. I care more about that than Kingpin. <laughs> I care more about that than Clint getting back to his family because when we saw Black Widow, right, one of the post-credit scenes was Val telling Yelena that Clint was responsible for Natasha's death, and it was like I want that answer now. And like we, Black Widow came out when in like May, uh, twenty twenty, like July, 20, July of this July year, twenty twenty one, or of last so year. Like we had to wait from July until now to to know. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Something special for me. I, I think, though, anything Yelena is really going to be one of our favorites right now because she's just a fan favorite character. She was written really well. She's kind of like what happens when we are gifted with, like, assassin abilities. Like, we kind of make fun and poke and prod at superheroes and at certain jokes and things like that. Like, you're such a poser. Like, like she, like she it's just kind of that sarcastic, kind of more down-to-earth kind of feel on, an, like, a superhero. <laughs> like she well, just, And what's great about about Yelena and Kate both is like, I think they're both like 25 in real life. And so like Marvel has casted their characters really well. So like, if they really want to keep at this for, you know, long term, sort of like the next 10, Robert 15 Downing, years. Yeah. Yeah. Like Robert Downey Jr. Or Chris Evans or whoever, like they're set, you know, by booking and creating these characters with younger actresses and actors, like, you know, like I said, Yelena and Kate, both of those, um, ladies are young like they're you know, very talented at what they do and so yeah Yelena's great I, I loved everything she did in Black Widow and like I was sad to see that she was only in three of the six episodes of Hawkeye well you never mm. know I heard that they're already trying to work together something with Yelena and uh, Red Guardian for a, a Disney Plus series and I loved that that scene where she's in Kate's apartment and the whole macaroni and cheese with the hot sauce thing. Like that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I, maybe I'm a little shallow with my, my thoughts on this one. Some of my favorite moments were the chase scenes. Like I loved when they did the, the Christmas music with the car chase 
And so, like, Clint is driving and, like, she's shooting arrows. Uh, and they, like, he... But he doesn't tell her what they do. Yeah. He's like, not that one. <laughs> Too dangerous. Nope. What? It could be more dangerous than that. And, like, they're they're flipping out and whatnot. But there was a line, and it, it's a quick... If you don't, like, pay attention in that moment, like, you completely miss it. And it's, it's lost on a lot of people. Uh, but Hawkeye, Clint, is driving, and he goes through all the trees... Uh, at the tree place, and he runs over one of those, uh, like, waving, like, uh, Santas. And he's like, crap, I'm going to be on the naughty list this year for running over Santa. I'm so sorry. And then it, like, pops right back up. Like, he says something just real quick, and if you don't pay attention, you miss it. Um, I also love how they ended that with the giant Pym arrow uh, when they, they blew the arrow up. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was just a genius way to, to hey, uh, Iron Man's gone, but... We have some some Stark arrows. Hey, I have a friend who has ridden on my arrows in uh, Civil War. I've got a, uh, I've I've worked really well with with Scott, and so now I have some Pimtech arrows. And like just having some of those extra like s- small little nods to hey, I'm still part of a bigger universe. I thought that was really cool. The other thing that I liked though was the building scene uh, when they're in the party in the last episode. It kind of was before the chase scene and all that. And the reason I say this is because it gave a true Christmas movie, and I might get some hate on this one from some 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 of our fans. It was a Die Hard reference, like they were having their whole party, <laughs> and it is straight up like they kind of they they did like a Home Alone kind of reference. They they did some Elf kind of referencing, like they they kind of hit all the the Christmassy like big tropes and all the big uh, movies and whatnot. And I thought that was just so cool that they included like this big diehard kind of scene where like, Hey, we got to get everybody out of the tower. Like, and they're like running around the building and then it happens. <laughs> like, I just thought that was a really cool reference uh, to how they handled it. Um, Cause you didn't have to write in this big Christmas party for, to lead into the big fight scene. You could have just, Hey, we were running through town and like they're chasing us or you could have done anything and they chose to have a big party. And I was like, that is such a diehard reference. And I, I absolutely loved that. Yeah. And Jordan, what you said, like in reference to um, Clint being a part of a bigger universe, like the big goal of the show, right. Was for Clint to get home to his kids by Christmas. Right. And so I uh, was at home last week. We were home for Christmas break and I threw on Captain America Civil War just because it was something I hadn't seen in a while. And one of the references that I noticed was when Clint goes to get Wanda out of the Avengers compound. Clint says, she's like, what are you doing here? Clint, what are you doing here? He's like, disappointing my kids. And I was like, how long ago? 2016 was that movie. And I was mm-hmm. like, they connect the dots even then to yeah. Hawkeye series. Like, what is he trying to do? Get home to his kids because he doesn't want to be a bad father. Well, I, I think that Hawkeye as a character has been written so well and performed so well because they're not so focused on it's not kind of like how arrow when they handle an archer like hey here's like some billionaire with with all these arrows or like hey he's a spy or something like that like they made him a family man like you didn't realize it until age of ultron ding um but i just (laughs) uh for all of our inside i was waiting for it yep uh i i had that planned uh but anyways you know you you don't see the family unit until then but then it keeps happening and they keep making references to his family and and he says i'm disappointing my family or disappointing my kids and then who do we see get dusted at the beginning of endgame his family kids. yeah and like it is so heartbreaking and, and like and, and we we struggle as an audience to watch this but i see like how many times have we seen a truly good family representation on the big screen like that in the past 10 years, how many times have we seen a beautiful representation of family? That's not just the feel good movie of the year kind of thing, like in an action movie and a, and anything like, and it, he just, he represents it. Any well. Glover and lethal weapon. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was, I was waiting for something like that. Or when you're like, well, you know, Bruce Willis was going for it and die hard. He's trying to save his wife. So, but I mean, just, just, you know what, with all of that, I think that it just, when you put family first, I think that it makes people love it even more. Um, it helps kind of with the, the feel good. And I, I think that they just handle his character super, super well talking about well, family. They, oh, go ahead. 
No, they, you talk about, we talk about it a lot with Dr. Strange, like sprinkling him in. They did a great job of sprinkling Hawkeye in. Like he comes in, he does his thing. He goes back to his family. He comes in, he does his thing. He goes back to his family. And like, you know, he's with his family when he's not with the Avengers or doing yeah. something superhero related. So like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of uh, family, I want to talk about going back to Kingpin. He's got family in this show through Maya, a.k.a. Echo, um, who we're going to get a series for her uh, later on Disney+. Plus. So she shows up in this series. What were your guys' thoughts about her? And let's go ahead and start with Scott. <laughs> Maybe you kind of started with me, but you know, I'm not familiar with the characters. So even when we saw, even like when um, Disney, on their Disney Plus day, when they launched their series, and I saw Echo, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, oh, okay. So, you know, so I think even watching this, it's like, okay, you know, I like her character. So for me, it was almost like an introduction slash, okay, now I'm getting excited because I want to know more about this character and what she's going to do. And plus, even just, um, you know, I know, I think sometimes we get to a point where Sometimes I think people go when we talk about representation within movies. Sometimes I think some people don't do it enough. Sometimes people do it too far. And I think just having a character who, you know, who can't speak and has to sign everything for me, I think, oh, that's that's interesting. You know, I would I like to see that, um, you know, same thing like when I played <laughs> when I played the Avengers video game and focus on Ms. Marvel and her, you know, kind of her Middle Eastern roots and kind of her family dynamics and that, you know, I thought that was done really well. So that, and that, and that was a new character for that was introduced to me too. So I'm like, Ooh, I'm, I'm excited about this character. I like playing as this character. So now that there's going to be a series, it's like, okay, what are they going to do with it now? Cause I've already kind of had this really great introduction from, um, Blair Enix's rendition of the Avengers. So I want to see, where that how they build upon that or if they take it in a different direction yeah yeah to piggyback off that i think similar to how we talked about makari and the eternals having a disability i think that mm -hmm. uh, kind of the same thing with maya like i think it's cool that they're doing this to kind of incorporate that and it also gives a different spin on like how are we going to incorporate somebody who can't speak or who can't hear or who can't walk or who can't, you know, you name the disability. They can't see daredevil. Yeah. Um, like I think they're doing a great job of that. So like they can not only like they're, they're pulling, like we talked about it with our Disney plus drop episode, but like, how they're going to reach different generations with all of this content. Like you're going to have a lot of animated stuff. So like kids are going to enjoy it more. Like we're going to enjoy it because we follow this product, but like the kids are really going to enjoy the cartoons because they're cartoons. The adults are going to enjoy the adult series because they're adults. Let's talk about for the person who can't hear the person who can't see the person who can't, you know, speak, you know, any of that combination of disability, like that's going to mean something to them. And I think Disney does a great job at doing that. And then, you know, I remembered that because we did a we did an episode a while back on the Eternals, the day after the Eternals came out. But they did the same thing in the Eternals. And so I'm not saying they're doing it all the time, but I think again they're doing it enough so that, you know, maybe that person doesn't feel left out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh I mean I really would just want to see Daredevil and Echo go at it because he can't see and she can't hear. Like, yeah. Like, I just want to well, see. Let's like, get Akari in there too. Yeah. Like I'm, I just want to see kind of like what all of them kind of would do in that moment. Um, just because it would be really cool to see like how, if they were put in a situation where they have to communicate, how do they do that? Um, right. And so I, I think that like it's, it's causing us to be more, uh, imaginative, uh, not to not to promote this film um, as a youth pastor, but uh, Deadpool, when you had such a low mm -hmm. budget that came from Deadpool, it caused them to create and think outside the box. And, and how do we write the best story with the small budget? And like for me, like from my personal life, I've served at a church where my budget was low and I've served at a church where my budget is extremely high. And at like the low church, I found that I had to be a lot more creative. Uh, with my bigger budget church, I've had to figure out, okay, how can I spend this money? So I, I'm, I'm creative in different ways. And so like with this one, you've now put yourself by adding 
characters with disabilities. How are you going to create characters with disabilities on the big screen or on the small screen that we as the audience are going to love? You have to get very creative with it. And I think they, they handle it very well. Jordan, you've got a crew tonight of all pastors that have all worked with <laughs> little to no budgets in our time of ministry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think we get that. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, like when, when looking at it, you just, it forces creativity with the yeah. lower budgets or, or with, with when you are slapped with something that like you have to put something in, you, you start to think, okay, how can I make this problem something really cool? So like with Daredevil, uh, in the the Ben Affleck Daredevil back in two thousand three, I think it was like they did where never seen it in the, in the rain he could see like if there was enough sound he could see like a blue kind of like like a simple outline of stuff, and then like with Daredevil with Charlie Cox they didn't show anything like that but he had a heightened sense of awareness of where everything is and so like he I mean he caught a brick in No Way Home, uh he knows exactly where everything is as he's walking in because of his senses. And I think it's cool. Like each director, every writer has handled the characters very differently and they've, they just excel in certain ways. And I can't wait to see representation without it being a political, sexual, religious necessarily. I'm excited to see, Hey, we've got a character who, uh, she can't hear. Uh, and then you've got another character who he can't see. And then maybe there's going to be other characters that they just have these problems but we're going to fall in love with them because we're going to write or they're going to write them very, very well. And I'm, I was just really excited to see Echo uh, come in. I only have seen her in comics maybe once or twice. She has like a, a white handprint, like face uh, paint kind of thing. She she put it on her face um, from what I've seen. Um, but I'm really excited to see where they're going to go. I don't expect her to be on the Avengers, um, but I could totally see her being like a like a low Main Street defender kind of character, like the low level um, the, if that's where they go and do like that kind of level. But I, I think that Maya was a, a definitely a breath of fresh air, uh, for this series. And I thought she was done really well and kind of, I, I really love what they did with Clint because Clint has this, this one thing about him. And if you notice every time he talks to a, a girl who has a vendetta or who has like problems or whatever, he somehow teaches them how really quickly in like one or two like conversations, Hey, you can do better, like become a superhero. And so you've got Yelena who went to go kill him and now doesn't have a problem. You've got Maya who is going to become Echo and is a hero. And then you had Wanda who many, many moons ago became Scarlet Witch Avenger. And I'm like, this is going to be really, really cool. Like that he kind of has helped these girls get on their, their path and, and kind of been a dad kind of figure for them, which I think is just cool. Um, well, like, you talk about stables and groups like you talked about Mockingbird his wife and talking about him like kind of being like this, the the leaders of like the young Avengers like what about Clint leading a small little group with Helena and Kate like how cool would that be Oh that'd be that would be sick Just it, the three of just the three of them Yeah Yeah like a Black Widow Black Widow and the Hawkeyes or something like that and do something yep. like that or White Widow if if that's what she goes by um cuz they were talking that she might go by that one um yeah, I think I think that would be really really cool. What what did you guys think about the tracksuit mafia showing up as as kind of like the the gang bad guys in this one? Um, in my notes, I kind of had like, oh, Jordan, what was the group in Falcon and Winter Soldier with the the red hands on their masks? Uh, what were the, they called? Uh, were those the Watchdogs? Um. I don't remember off or, the top no, of my head. No, the anyway. Flag Smashers. They were the yes, Flag Smashers. Flag Smashers. I could not think of that all day. Um, but um, when I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, by the end of the series, I know who they are, the Flag Smashers. I know what they stand for. I know what they represent. But with the Tracksuit Mafia and Hawkeye, I was like, who are these clowns? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there, wasn't much, there wasn't much depth to them. Like, and that was just, I mean, that's my opinion, but like, I don't know how you guys feel, but like, I think that there wasn't a lot of, um, deep storytelling about who they were. They were just there. Do you think that there was a purpose for them not being like, kind of like 1960s Batman goons, like how each villain had their set of goons? Do you think that that was kind of like, these guys really are just pushing drugs, pushing whatever merchandise they're really, 
like we just threw them in track suits and and that was really all like because there was the one guy with uh maya um but other than those two you really don't care about the rest of them like they're they're really not these like memorable characters for a reason that they're just goons yeah and that's kind of how i felt i mean that never just wasn't a lot of depth to they were like and i think i wanted more and i kind of expected more like after watching talking to winter soldier for example well do you i'm gonna push back a little bit on that do you think that it's, it. we've gotten to a point where we had hydra for a long time uh we now have the the 10 rings that are starting to step up into that place you had the flag smashers who really left a, a big footprint do you think that those guys because we had those organized like crime family mafia kind of mentality on a superhero gang or supervillain gangs do you feel like because we had such high expectations from them that the tracksuit mafia you expected more possibly okay i mean i i don't know like again i'm i'm actually going through and rewatching all of the disney plus marvel series again just to just to get another rewatch i haven't watched hawkeye yet but um i've only seen hawkeye once like when it came out but yeah i mean that's a great point like maybe it was kind of like that you know batman-esque you know pal you know i'm gonna get you kind of bad guys who were kind of oblivious they were they were doing the bad stuff but they didn't really matter if that makes sense like you were saying um yeah scott what do you think yeah, I, I, I'm going to have a different take on this, because for me, it's like, yeah, they weren't as memorable as, like, the Flag Smashers or Hydra or any other, like, group that we have seen or minion group. But I felt like they had some sort of purpose as far as kind of keeping the story going and having some type of conflict before you got the big reveal of Kingpin. On the same token, it almost seemed like when you're going back to Maya's flashbacks and her father, and you kind of see, there's one of the episodes where he's wearing something, but you can kind of see the tracksuit underneath his jacket. And it almost seems like they're kind of like this group that, you know, had some type of purpose, maybe had some type of prestige from when Maya's father was alive. And then once he got killed, it was just like, you know, they don't have a sense of identity. And even though you have kind of Maya and then you kind of have like this puppeteer in the background, which we see as Kingpin, you know, you still see them that they're kind of like a bunch of buffoons. Like they, they're almost like a group that has no direction in some ways, which kind of brings in the comedy because they're just so, you know, dense. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when they're going after Kate and Clint, like, you know, there's a crap load of them coming after them they're just able to just pick them off very quickly with the arrow so i don't know it's it's almost like one of those things where it's like i feel like they did serve a purpose but i feel like you know if you were to ask me like well, what's the most memorable like minion group from like the mcu i don't think i'm going to say tracksuit mafia is going to be my top two <laughs> wouldn't make wouldn't even make my top three <laughs> yeah no, I I think that the tracksuit mafia kind of made me laugh through the whole thing. It just was one of those. It just made me think of like I was saying earlier, the Batman from the '60s, where like it's just a bunch of goons. Like part of me was expecting someone to be like, "Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb." Like just waiting for something <laughs> like that to be said, um, because it's like, yeah, there's there's something kind of stupid, funny, silly about them. Um, like they're in track suits and they call themselves the track suit mafia. <laughs> like, like, of course, like you're going to have some weird name that Stanley came up with back in the day. Like, like, Hey, like I'm Mr. Red or like whatever. And I only ever wear red. Like it, it was very on the, on the nose and it was just, it made me laugh. Um, so as we are wrapping up, I've got two last questions for you guys. So the first is which arrow was your favorite that was used in the entire series? Because there were quite a few different trick arrows and, and fun arrows. Um, if you want to say just the pointy ones, that's fine too. Um, and then at the end, how would you rate this Disney series um, on a scale of 1 to 10? 1 being don't see it, 10 being absolutely you need to go watch it right now. And so we'll go ahead and start with Micah. 
um, arrow was probably the acid arrow, the one where he shot it and like all the purple stuff kind of like came flying out. Is that the, is that considered the acid arrow? I looked up the arrow names earlier. Um, I'm not completely sure if that's the right one I'm thinking of or not. But I like the one where he he shot it and um, he got Maya's sidekick and um, it's like purple like foam stuff kind of came out of it. I don't know if it was smoke or foam or goo or I don't remember. Um, that was my favorite arrow, acid arrow or not. That was my favorite arrow. Um, as far as this being uh, a, a must watch Disney Plus series, like I told my wife today on the the car ride home from work, I think that it's a solid eight or nine. Um, definitely in my top three of the Disney Plus series that have come out so far. Like, it's it's hard to beat WandaVision Loki for me, but like, Hawkeye's definitely top three. That's fair. That's definitely fair. Uh, man, favorite arrow. That was a hard one to pick because I felt like when you watch Hawkeye throughout the series, it's always like a regular arrow or a blowing up arrow. And this, you got to see more of the versatility of his arrows and what can be done. And, you know, it's <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, ooh. But I really like the Pym arrow. Like, that probably was probably my favorite just because you could just do so much with it. And I think, you know, whether it was making things bigger or shrinking things, like for me, however you use that arrow, I'm like, man, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty cool arrow. What, what, um, what do we do with them now? When when they shoot the the truck, what do we do with them now? And the and the owl just comes and gets them. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. As far as um, would I recommend the series? Um, I would say yes, because I feel like, you know, I mean, it's it's one of the things, and not to get too off topic, but it's one of the things where when you look at like shows like the Netflix like. Defenders with Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Iron Fist. And you look at like uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and even like The Runaways and some of these shows that have come out. It's like besides Coulson saying, okay, let's call the Avengers. And then that's when Age of Ultron comes out. And it's like, oh, that's the connection, like the very faint connection to the films. It's almost like when you watch a series like Hawkeye, not only is it great and I would recommend it, but I think in some ways with Disney Plus coming into existence, this is kind of their way of trying to do some nice storytelling and starting to connect some of these dots that can kind of pave the way to some of the things you'll see in the theater. And then instead of waiting till you know, eight months or four or eight months to the next movie to kind of figure out, okay, what post credit scene can I see to kind of help connect the dots? It's like, well, here, watch six or eight episodes of this series, and you're going to see more of some of those dots being more connected. Uh, so I kind of like, so for me, I would recommend it. I would say I'd give it like a, I mean, I would give it, I'd give it an eight or nine. I mean, I mean, I would say I probably like I probably enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed, which is hard because they're all so good. But I think yeah. I've enjoyed Hawkeye a lot more than Falcon Winter Soldier. That's fair. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't entirely disagree. I think that the the saving grace for me that would put Falcon and the Winter Soldier potentially higher for me than Hawkeye, um, is the last episode. That last episode was just gorgeous, and it mm-hmm. uh, when when you finally see him in the Captain America with the 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 wings and and all that suit, um, and then him like kind of struggling in some of his fights, but then like having to outthink his villains and then outthink the problem that he like when he says, "Okay, who has a pilot's license?" and like he uses Red Wing to to shoot out real quick, and like he communicates like it kind of was the the Iron Man esque portion meeting Captain America and it was kind of like that mixture of both um and I liked that but Hawkeye had a series that just was amazing all the way through um it wasn't like hinged on one or two episodes of the six it was all six were really really good well and I think even with that I think like when you think about WandaVision like it's kind of going back like when you first introduce these things you know WandaVision you're like 
okay, that looks a little quirky. I don't know about this one. Um, Falcon Winter Soldier, like, oh, yeah, cool, you know. We love those guys. And then Loki, you're just like, okay, you know, that's cool. Then you get Hawkeye, and you're just like, eh, like, I don't know. Maybe I'll get around to it. And then you watch it, you're like, oh, this is really good. Like, it was more like a surprise. Like with um, WandaVision, like, you watch the first two episodes, you're like, oh, okay, it's a little weird. And then you get to episode three, and you're like, oh, okay, now this is getting good. <laughs> yeah, I remember having that conversation with a few friends uh, who were like, I don't know if I'm going to watch WandaVision. Like, the first two episodes really didn't keep my attention the entire way. And I was like, get to get through the first, like, Two to or two to three episodes, and by the time you hit the stride, like it may, like it just takes a little bit of time each episode for you to truly understand it all. Um, but no, I I think for me, um, I'm gonna just hit the arrow real quick. I think the arrow that I liked the most was the Taser Net arrow that uh that Kate Bishop used when she was fighting with with Kingpin in the toy store, and she like had the giant hole that they knocked him through by hitting him with the car. And then like she shoots it and it just creates this massive electrified net. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, kind of made me think of Spider-Man, uh, with some of it, but it was, it was just, I thought that one was really well done. Um, and then like he was tasered a little bit with it. Uh, for me, I think nine or 10, I would, I would say this one was a very, very well done series. Um, my parents, I was talking to just the other day, uh, they were like, hey, we just watched uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp and, and Captain Marvel. And they loved Ant-Man and the Wasp and they hated Captain Marvel. And I told them, I said, once you're done with uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, you need to sit down and watch uh, WandaVision and then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and, and like watch all these series because they're, they're really good. And my parents were like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, like seriously you will enjoy it. You will understand some of the references in future movies when you go and see those and they're, and they're starting to watch this stuff. And, um, I highly recommend it. So, uh, that's just kind of where we're at. So, uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. It was a lot of fun getting to talk Hawkeye with you guys. Um, to all of our listeners, make sure you check us out. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We're, uh, going to start trying to push some Facebook live stuff, try and, ch uh, test the waters there. But, uh, we're pushing out content daily on our TikTok, and so we would love for you guys to start following us and just getting plugged in. So make sure you like and subscribe on the different platforms. But until then, uh, we will see you next time on Nerd Talk.